Welcome everybody to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all the tricks and all the things it takes to produce, sell, price, customer value. Today, I am really happy to have Chicky Fitzgerald. Chicky is uh, a tech CEO who has started her own company, and I wanted to have Chicky on the Value Clarity Podcast because she is uh, going through a COVID transformation or her company, she and her company are both going through COVID <laughs> transformations. Welcome, Chicky. Thank you so much, Mark. And I'm really excited to be able to share this with others because it, I think everyone's going through some sense of you have to stop working in the business and work on the business so that you can really see if you're still doing the right things. That's right. So let's start with kind of um, where your business was before COVID and, and what you were chasing. And then let's kind of go into uh, how the world has changed and how you've had to change with the world. Definitely. Well, uh, I have to back up just a little bit before this business because I spent the first half of my career working for the tech companies that powered all of the systems that you would be familiar with where you had done an airline booking, a hotel booking, a car rental booking, done mapping and navigation. Those were the companies that I, I really cut my teeth on when I was in corporate life. And I went out on my own uh, over 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and did strategic consulting for a good decade and helped companies integrate in solutions that involved selling travel. But my clients weren't always travel companies. They were companies like Intel and Motorola and Siemens and uh, LasVegas.com. My company built uh, that entire company for Mandalay Resort Group and Park Place. So I've been involved, you know, again, kind of tangentially in travel. And then my first tech venture, uh, which was over 10 years ago, I raised $7 million, a million of it were my own assets, and built a solution for a huge part of the travel industry that was not addressed at all, which were people who drive versus fly. And, you know, if, if you really thought about it, you would probably think that uh, a large majority of people fly versus driving, because the only time you ever hear about driving is Thanksgiving week, and yeah. AAA comes on and tells you how many people are going to be driving to their destination. Well, maybe not so much this year. But what ended up happening with this company, my current company, which is called Solutions Innovations, and our product, which is called Traveling to Give, is I sat back and I thought, now, why are all those people driving, right? And I realized that the things that are the catalyst for you traveling aren't just vacation and a corporate managed business trip where you call the travel manager or your travel agent and book uh, your meeting. But that only represents about 20% of all travel. And the other 80% is traveling for life, whether it's going, and again, COVID aside, going to a graduation, going to a wedding, going to a funeral, uh, having a business meeting where you don't have to use a corporate travel agent, you, you get to make your own decisions, or attending a training class uh, in person, you know, as, as we uh, hopefully will all return to doing at some point, going to a conference, uh, you know, going and volunteering, 
those were all the things that I wanted to be able to address. And I realized the travel industry didn't do that. And largely because there was no such thing as finding a hotel in proximity to where you were going. Now, if I said that to you, you'd say, Chicky, what are you talking about, right? I've been traveling for years. And, but then when you really start to think about it, if you were coming to see me, Mark, you would book a hotel room to Tampa. Tampa is 174 square miles. So you could be over an hour away from me and still be in the Tampa city limits. Oh, right? yeah. When, yeah, when I, I would get the address of the place I was going on Google Maps and then I would open hotels.com and I would, I would look back and forth on two web browser pages. Uh, Absolutely. Saying, okay, now these are the hotels near. So here's the intersections on... And so it's a very manual process. Right. And if there were an event involved, now you've got a third website open. Yep. Of, okay. What are the dates of the event? You know, do I need to come in the day before? What time does the agenda start? Right. Yep. And there were all kinds of things about that that just were really so much uh, more complex than they needed to be. We decided that it wasn't only the need to find things in proximity to one another. Because again, that, that's kind of the price of entry. And you talk about using Google Maps, but the actual number of clicks from the time that you put in the address to when you actually book can be 12 or 14, right? Yeah. And that's too many. And they give you too many choices. So uh, what we did is we decided it wasn't just proximity. It was where did that, where did you encounter that booking engine. And let's say that you got invited to a wedding, right? You put the wedding invitation on the refrigerator. Maybe you put the date into your calendar. And then sometime time later, your wife says, oh, hey, Mark, we're going to that wedding. Do we need a hotel room? And then you go to Expedia or Hilton.com, whatever is your favorite booking engine. And what we really thought about was creating a product that you could actually configure for that wedding lift that out, put it in a blog, put it on a website, actually integrate it into a wedding invitation system. And then it's right there so that when you get the wedding invitation, you know, and maybe it's even a QR code on a printed invitation, you can go in and book your hotel nearby that wedding on that day uh, just with one click. And so that's what we have created. So you asked you know, right before COVID where we were, and we were actually, uh, we're what I call a scale up. We're not a startup because the product is actually quite mature, but we were just getting ready to scale. We were ready to fill the tank and put on the gas. And of course, when COVID hit, travel, uh, you know, went to an absolute crawl and uh, the event business, you know, really just disappeared off of the face of the earth for a while. Yeah. But just <laughs> here, and here I am whining because they, uh, the interview for my book uh, that was going on the back of the, of the United Airlines seats uh, was, just went public <laughs> on a bunch of empty <laughs> airlines. I'm, I'm whining about that. And you just made me feel so much better about my, about how small my problems were. Well, and all I could think of was that now people actually have time to read your book. But at any rate, what we had done just before COVID and, and I, it was really fortuitous because uh, what I wanted to do was to create another uh, and there are tabs on our tool. So we've got a, an I'm staying, I'm driving, and I'm flying tab. And the I'm driving isn't just car rental. It's driving directions and your driving style, all of that. And I wanted to add another tab that let our customers 
uh, actually integrate all the things that people visiting them or attending their event would need. So for instance, we've got a client, uh, the Chicago Symphony, who has us integrated into their site on the Visit Us page. Well, on that same page beneath their uh, use of our tool are all these things like, you know, if you're going to take the bus or you're going to ride your bike or, you know, if you want to go out on, on a five-star date before the symphony. They had all of these things. And I thought, well, wouldn't that be great if we could just include those in, into our product? So we did. And it's called the concierge tab. And our clients can self-configure that, which means that they can keep adding new cool things for their visitors. And the person who actually does that work doesn't have to be schooled on how to update WordPress or GoDaddy or whatever the web platform is, right? It can yeah. be an intern, right, that you teach how to pull up the screen and, and enter this information. It takes literally seconds uh, to do that. And as you're adding new things, it appears uh, on, on the tool, which is already installed. So in, right in the middle of COVID, I started looking at all the other things we could do with that. And I started thinking about virtual events. And wouldn't it be great if we could allow a someone offering a virtual event the ability to showcase the people speaking and to showcase uh, the people who are sponsoring and what's the agenda and what's the background of, of this conference. Maybe look at a video from last year, right, when it was in person. And that, again, we could use that same, and I'm going to just call it a container. It's a, it's a plug-in uh, that we configure for the client. And so all of a sudden, it can turn into a virtual event uh, tool. And then I went out to eat for the first time when here in Florida, they opened the restaurants in March or in May, I'm sorry. Uh, and I saw the QR code on the table and, you know, someone uh, had linked that to a page where they put their menu. And I thought, well, gosh, our tool could be a menu for you know, for anything. So you could have one QR code for, for the drink menu and another for the gluten-free menu. And, and by just using a, a piece of paper that they would uh, laminate, they could hand people that and then be able to uh, access that menu. Uh, I've got a meeting next week with the Tampa Zoo, and they are building a mobile app. And, but it's not going to be done until the end of first quarter. And I said, Cameron, I can take any information that's on your webpage today, put it in this little tool, and anybody can, can pull it up on their mobile device. So we have, you know, just through sheer luck and, and ingenuity, have actually developed a product that can be used for many things. In fact, the other day I used it to create a proposal for one of my clients to link to all of the different things that she had asked me for, samples of client work, etc. Yeah. So anyway... To answer your question way too long, uh, you know, that's really what we've been up to is before COVID, we were uh, a thriving business that was ready to uh, raise some additional capital and, and just put on the gas. And then through that drastic shutdown, we had to, to revisit where we were going. Okay. So just, I want to make sure that we stop and highlight what you did. You were scaling up a technology platform that you had pointed at the, a market, travel, 
But you realize very quickly after that market, what became frozen, that that same product, that same platform could be pointed in different directions. And yes. you started pointing it. So you had this asset and you found out, I've got to leverage this into something else that does make money, that does get yes. used, that can scale. Exactly. And so it's very much a an understanding that what your tool is capable of, what the architecture of that platform is capable mm -hmm. of so that you can steer it in different directions. And so that innovative, out of the box thinking, uh, understanding what your capabilities are at a more granular level, not features and benefits, but capabilities, and then understanding your customer's bigger business needs or understanding a different customer's business needs in your case, um, and being able to overlap those to offer value. Right. And the, the interesting thing, Mark, is it that our product is portable. So it's the portability of where you want to use it that is important. And I, I think about, you know, the, the skills that have had to be ported. I've got a lot of friends who are coaches and who, you know, used to be keynote speakers and, you know, they made $10,000 a speech and they spoke X number of times a year. And that's how they determined how they were going to make money. And they had to take that same skill set and port it to a different place, which happened to be Zoom in most yeah. cases, right? And becoming a virtual speaker and what had to look different and feel different because of that difference in location. And so for us, it's the ability to take this, this capability of putting together what I'll just call visual navigation. We actually call the tool smart navigation. And, and to be able to port that to your Facebook page, to your website, to your blog, uh, that you can access it from a mo mobile device, from a QR code, and it's taking information wherever it exists anywhere, right? So it's the, it's the where you're offering what you're offering, right, that's, that can be as important. And that's, that's what really distinguishes us. Because any web developer will say, oh, I can do visual navigation on my website today. Yes. Yeah, but can you, can you move it to Facebook just like that? So, Chicky, when you were thinking through how else can we use our technology, was that just you? Did you have a, a management team? Do you have a board? And what kind of questions did you ask each other that got those creative juices flowing where you figure out, uh, all the different ways you could use your technology. I want to go through that that process and who helped you and what questions you asked. Can you walk us through some of yes. what those discussions, what the questions you asked yourself were? Well, and, and I think that that's a really, really great question, Mark, because I, I certainly was capable of doing that analysis all on my own. But had I done that, I wouldn't have gotten the very, very important buy-in that I needed from those who were around me. So from my developers, uh, who I needed to go back to and say, now that we're doing this, I need to be able to turn off the travel tabs because the travel tabs no longer make sense as a part of this product. And, and then asking for their input about how that should be structured, right? So I had the internal... Uh, people who were very critical to this. So the people who had to actually execute uh, the changes to the technology. So that really was step number one. Uh, and then 
during that process, we still have a weekly team meeting, even though, you know, my team has kind of ebbed and flowed. So whoever was around, we talked about it every Tuesday at two o'clock. And having that time frame where everybody could give their input was really important. And as I came up with other examples of how it could be used, then our salespeople could see, oh, well, I could offer that, right? But that also required that they thought uh, on a broader basis of who were they going to call on, because this actually completely broadened who they could call on. Sure. Uh, and some salespeople really embrace that. And others, it's like, oh man, I just got my pitch to the funeral home market down. I can't switch gears and call hospitals. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, showing them and allowing them to visualize what it could do was a big piece of that. Then uh, I did involve our advisory board and we happen to call them our sounding board. And the sounding board is different from an, an advisory board and collectively they have one vote on our board. And recognizing at any given moment in time that there isn't one person who has all of the answers when you've got something important that has to go to a board vote, that structure has worked really well for me. So together we talked about where do we go next? Right. We had a call, uh, you know, right at the beginning of COVID and said, this doesn't look good for us. Right. Uh, even though we don't sell to the travel industry, uh, you know, having people travel is an important part of our, our product. Okay. So where should we go and what should we do? And what was decided out of that input was we should narrow our focus substantially to travel that is um, required. Right. And so what would that be? And at the time it was travel to funerals, uh, travel to visit someone in the hospital. So it was those things that fit into this care category that we serve. Yeah. So while we thought that that was good because people were still traveling, um, it, it really didn't produce material value. So we actually had to go back to them and say, you know what? It's really better to pause. And so uh, I had to go to the board. In fact, the board came to me uh, in, in early uh, October. And they actually gave me permission, Mark, to pause the pressure I was putting on myself about the core business. And so I found it was much better to talk with the board and say, look, there's no way we're going to meet our numbers. Uh, we thought that this tact was going to work. We're seeing signs of travel and events coming back. But it really would be better if we just press the pause button, literally. Uh, still talk to people, but, but not set the expectation every week that we're going to have, you know, X number of new clients. Um, and also that maybe this is the time to start talking about consulting with people on increasing, um, you know, how, how can they grow and get closer to their customers? Uh, we also have a big giving component, if you'll remember, uh, yeah. to our business. Yeah. And we donate 25% of our revenue stream to the charity of choice of our client if they're a 501c3. So started focusing on the purpose-driven consulting and helping companies figure out how to be more purpose-driven at a time when it's mattering more and more. So I, I know that's another long answer to your question, but uh, the answer is we really had to go to all of those constituents and 
in order though we had to start internally get the teams buy-in go to the advisory board and then take that to the board and say yes here is the recommendation and then every day i have to be accountable to my husband who is the one who's been uh allowing me to fund this business for the last couple of years and i have committed to him that i will continue to look at my personal fastest path to cash every day so that i can have money to put back into the company to get us back on track as soon as possible wow so as you were going through those different constituencies and taking your your path uh did you who did you find contributed some really unique innovative idea to the path that you'd kind of chosen uh, how did those ideas pop up? And more importantly, how did you discipline yourself to be open to adopting those great ideas that come up from any ran seemingly random corner of the company, of your journey? Right. Well, Mark, for someone like me, who, who my mind goes a million miles an hour, and I'm always solving the next problem, right? My company is named Solutions. And so I find for me, the most valuable thing is listening and, and literally just holding my tongue when I want to say, well, here are all the reasons why that won't work, because that's my natural inclination is that that fact finding and and culling down process. Uh, I think the other thing was um, my when my chairman and one of my board members and investors came to visit me. Uh, I, I actually was a little bit worried because my in my last company, I was shut down by my investors, but I, I found myself being a little apprehensive about them coming. And, and when, when they actually said, we're here to give you the freedom to take six months and come up with a relaunch plan for the company. And that came from a combination of my chairman of the board and one of my investors, who's also a part of my leadership team. And they were so, and this sounds unusual, Mark, but they were so kind and so intuitive about what I was going through personally, because I've got more money in this than anyone, and I've got more time in it than anyone. Uh, but my team collectively have 35,000 hours of sweat equity in this company. Wow. Um, and, you know, I was looking for, uh, you know, for some short-term kind of stay of execution things uh, to where I needed money just to make it through the next few months. And my chairman of the board uh, left that meeting by handing me a check for $2,500, which doesn't sound like very much, but it was going to be enough to release my pressure to where I could look for some consulting uh, where, which might give me thirty dollars or $40,000, right? Because I was a very well-paid uh, consultant. And that made so much more sense. And so then describing that back to my sounding board and telling them about the decision that we had made as a board became very easy. Sure. But really, it was just holding my tongue, right? And, and not jumping to the next conclusion and really being thoughtful and hearing and receiving, which I find is way harder than giving. Yeah. I love the word receiving because that's the hard part about listening is the receiving. Uh, that's the only, or the old Seinfeld, anybody can take a reservation, anybody can shut up, but so few people can receive. Right. And listen. Well, and you rob the other person from giving. And 
I don't know. Uh, I think we talked about this when I interviewed you. Uh, my book, The Game Changer, was inspired by the book, The Go-Giver, by Bob Berg and John David Mann. And in that book, and it's an, it was the very first allegorical business novel I had ever read. And from that point on, I wanted to write an allegorical business novel, uh, a business parable, they're also yeah. called. And in that book, he talks about uh, the five laws of stratospheric success. And I can't rattle off the first four, but I can tell you that the fifth law of stratospheric success is, is all about receiving. And uh, when Bob, uh, when I first interviewed him on my radio show a decade ago, uh, Bob shared with me, you know, you would never think that you could exhale all day long and survive. You have to inhale. And if you're sitting on the beach, you can't have the water continually go out, right? Unless you're in, in Tampa Bay in a hurricane, right? That, that does happen <laughs> sometimes, right? But it has to come in as well. So it's the natural ebb and flow of life that we do have to receive. And, and maybe the, the balance in Bob's book is, is actually right, that, that we have to receive at least one-fifth of the time. Yeah. Right. And that means that you give other people on your team who maybe aren't as brilliant as you are in a particular area or as experienced in a given area or they don't know all the facts, but just receive from them. Let them give. Let them feel like they're contributing. And again, not that there isn't value in what they're saying, because actually when I heard what, what my chairman was saying, I said, well, you know, if I go out and consult, I used to make 7000 a day. And he said, yes, and now you should charge 10000 a day because you actually have so much more experience and wealth of knowledge than you did 10 years ago when you stopped consulting. Uh, and you know, I mean, that was a real jolt to me. And I thought, wow, yeah, that is what I should do. And then if somebody only wants to pay 2500 a day, well, then they get one of the people, you know, in my uh, realm of, of uh, consultants that I know who may be willing to work for 2500 a day. And then I bill them out, right? That's so, right. I mean, there's so many ways to achieve your goals. And I think that this, is, this really should be the takeaway from this today, Mark, for your listeners, that whether you're in a corporate world where you, you still may have to reboot, right? It, it may not be pivoting because pivoting implies you're headed in the wrong direction. It may need to be a pause and, and coming back to that when that market or that, that ability is, is healthy again. Um, but really taking the time to look at, uh, and, and I encourage the, this exercise of fastest path to cash. What assets do you have? What could you monetize that maybe you aren't monetizing today? Certainly for entrepreneurs uh, and solopreneurs, that has been exactly what we've been doing all year long, right? Stop working in your business take time off. Uh, they actually gave me permission to take a sabbatical, which was so needed. Uh, I didn't realize how burned out I was. What a great, um, what a great perspective. Chicky, thank you. Uh, how can people get a hold of you and um, uh, learn more? about what well, you do and if if i'm and actually i'm going to be talking with you after we get off here about virtual events because i'm toying around with the idea of virtual events so we're going to have to talk but great. how great all of you well the easiest way is chickyfitzgerald.com 
C-H-I-C-K-E, Fitzgerald.com. And what you will see there is actually an example uh, right below the, the hero image on the homepage of the website. You'll see our tool. And I've used it to show people how they can learn more about me. And that tool is what I'm talking about that we can deploy for our clients and they can have as many of them as they want and they can go in as many places as they want. And then further down on the page, you can also see our core travel product. So uh, I've shown it as a visit us page if you were coming to see me in Tampa. So just chickyfitzgerald.com. Everything about me is there. And uh, absolutely welcome uh, discussions about how we could work together. Looking forward to that. That's great. Well, Chickie, thanks a lot for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast. And thank you, everybody, for uh, sticking around for another episode. We Remember, we believe that value only exists in your customer's mind. And the trick is finding it. And your success, as a result, is only in your customer's head. Thanks, and go have a high-value day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.